0: Case number 22 seventy eighty three. Mary OPC et al. at Balance versus BNP Fariba SA and Al Jamal Islamic Bank. Mr. Deakins for the at Balance, Mr. Bokunzi for the at Good morning. Good morning.
1: May you please the court. Republic of Sudan entered into conspiracy. The defendant BNP Paribas and the terrorist organization Al Qaeda to engage in a conspiracy to defeat United States economic sanctions. BNP entered into that conspiracy knowing that funds cleared through that unlawful enterprise, which began in 1997, would be used to support terrorists. For its part in the conspiracy, BNP Paribas created a complex system to elicit U- uh, U.S. illicit uh, U.S. dollar payments al-Qaeda used violence. The 1998 terrorist attacks were done in furtherance of that conspiracy. We know this not because of speculation or inference, we know this because al-Qaeda told us themselves that that was one of the stated goals, was to end the U.S. embargo in Sudan. We also know from the criminal trials of the al-Qaeda, or the very attack that killed and injured the plaintiffs here in this case, that they used bank accounts within Al Shamal, a bank operating in the United uh, in Sudan, who funded that attack. Now, these allegations are more than enough to state a claim for conspiracy and aiding and abetting.
2: Under aiding and abetting what? Well, it's aiding. If we look at it from conspiracy... Everything you, you said there had to do with defeating the embargo. Maybe they did conspire to defeat the embargo, but that doesn't create a private claim cause of action, does it? It does under a conspiracy theory uh, in which... Uh, the, well, well, conspiracy has to have a substance, that a goal that is unlawful, and that, that, that's fine, uh, but even though you may have an unlawful attempt to defeat the embargo, that does not give a private claim for relief. to just defeating the embargo, does it? Under the it, conspiracy can, as alleged in this
1: complaint, the... The agreement that is the focus of the conspiracy is the, the agreement to defeat United States economic sanctions. That is the agreement entered into by the MP Paribas, by Republicans. But I'm not Dan-
2: believing everything, taking your allegations as true. You still haven't gotten to a private claim for relief at this point, Adrian. What, what is the goal of the conspiracy that was accomplished that caused damage to your client? So, the goal of the conspiracy was to defeat those United States economic sanctions. The overt
1: yes, act yes. and the overt act that gave furtherance of that conspiracy that gave rise to the claim is the bombing of the embassy. And it's, we know once again that that was one of the goals of Al Qaeda to defeat the United States economic sanctions
2: as playing the complex. That's and- two different goals. Bombing an embassy and, and breaking uh, sanctions is not the same thing as you cancel.
1: In a conspiracy under Halberstam, and if we look at Halberstam specifically, I've looked at Halberstam for years. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure, Your Honor. Uh, what they found was that the civil conspirator can be liable uh, even if you neither planned nor knew a particular act. But in that case,
2: but she Lynn, knew he was engaged in, the, in illegal activities, the activities that gave rise to the murder, murder that gave rise to the claim for relief. But here. I mean, that was part of the goal of the conspiracy, was to commit the illegal acts that led to his death. But here, you're telling us about a conspiracy to defeat economic sanctions, but I'm not finding a private claim for relief in it.
1: And from the conspiracy aspect, what gives rise to it, if there is an agreement, and the agreement is here to defeat the sanctions, the injury is caused by an unlawful, overt act in furtherance of that And that's where the the bombing comes into play, because al-Qaeda, and once again, they told us that one of their goals in furtherance of the conspiracy was was to defeat the sanctions. So they agreed and said, we're bombing the embassy because there is this United States economic embargo in Sudan. And once again, that's directly from the mouths of al-Qaeda. As we're we're doing this because of this embargo, we're seeking to defeat the sanctions. And that's the same goal uh, that the Republic of Sudan and BNP had. But it's the overt act. Linda Hamilton and Halberstam did not uh, have the goal of the murder uh, of Mr. Halberstam. Linda Hamilton's goal was different. And it was the overt act of the murder which gave
2: rise to the was The murder was a murder because it was a felony murder, and the felony involved was the goal of the conspiracy. Uh, that you had a very, that really was a pretty direct part of the conspiracy. But a conspiracy to conduct the economic transactions here does not have the kind of foreseeability that you had in Haverstam. Linda Hamilton and, and Mr. Welch,
1: in that case, agreed to undertake the legal enterprise of acquiring stolen property. Now the, the murder, whether it was foreseeable or not, we put that aside. As long as it was done in furtherance of the conspiracy, that's what gives rise to the cause of action.
2: And here, How did bombing an embassy help end sanctions? But well, we don't. How would anyone think that bombing an embassy would make the United States less likely to put sanctions on? On a motion to dismiss, stage your honor, is, it's not
1: the goal to to uh, to. Whether or not we believe Al Qaeda in, in their statement of this is why we did it.
2: Then we believe all of this. How does bombing a, an embassy further a conspiracy? As far as we know, the conspiracy the bank entered to uh, defeat economic sanctions. Well, I don't think we need to get to the state of mind of Al Qaeda and their basis, but if we I do- think you need to get somewhere that makes this. Bank a conspirator in a conspiracy to commit the embassy bombing in order to have a private claim for relief, and I'm exploring how you get there, and I'm not, not getting there. Yeah. Al Qaeda told us, right, that that here are
1: the reasons why we're bombing the attack. And this sets a, a case away from from the Bernhard case, which was decided in which the, the court looked at the specific reasons. In that case, uh, you know, a bombing of a small C.I. secret C.I.A. camp, you know, it was. Completely implausible that that it would be based on they were doing that act to to, to defeat the United States. Here it, it's different. This is a widespread attack in which they they focused and and we have fled from nineteen ninety seven that Bin Laden was was talking about the U.S. embargo about what he was going to do with respect to that and undertook these efforts to to, to bomb the attack to defeat those sanctions. Now, we we don't have to say, okay, that that doesn't seem right in my mind. That was what Al-Qaeda specifically did, to to chase Americans out, to kill them, to make them withdraw their their sanctions.
0: Mr. Diggins, how can you distinguish the facts here from Owens? I mean...
1: And and it's a good good question, uh, Judge Rao. This case is not Owens. And it's not Owens in either allegations but
2: or the cause of action raised. And so if the Owens. We know it's not Owens, but I, how do you get around Owens as yeah. president? Yeah, so
1: Owens, in, in looking at the, the allegations there, Owens didn't contain any allegations regarding Al Shamal or the use of Al Qaeda accounts in Al Shamal prior to the attacks. It contained no allegations of Al Qaeda's use and reliance on Sudanese banks. Uh, Prior to the 1990 embassy bombings, it contained no publicly available reports tying Sudan to Al-Qaeda.
0: And and why do those things make a difference?
1: Well, those things make a difference, one, because they didn't didn't allege, and the next step of it is they didn't allege any secondary liability. They they only did it through the ATA plan, but but the court determined, based on the older version, that secondary liability wasn't available at that stage. And so there were no secondary liability for conspiracy and aiding and abetting. These elements of, of that I just stated are relevant to general awareness uh, under aiding and abetting. Uh, it's relevant to, uh, once again, the furtherance of the conspiracy, but it's also relevant to, to knowledge uh, and the close proximity or, or, or the close ties between BNP al-Shaman, as well as the Republic of Sudan. So Al-Shamal here was not a, a Sudanese entity. It was a separate intermediary, and we must look at those intermediaries separately. See them running out of time. If I can save any time, I have left. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Good
3: morning, and may it please the court. Harmine Bukutsi from Cleary Gottlieb for the appellee BNP Paribas. The district court was correct in dismissing the complaint. Uh, The correctness of this ruling was confirmed by this court's decision in Owens, as well as this court's decision in Bernhardt, the Second Circuit's decision in Rothstein, which Owens followed, as well as the Seventh Circuit in Kemper and many others. In this case, uh, there is no pleading of any meeting of the minds between BNP Paribas uh, and and Al-Qaeda. There's actually nothing pled about any connection between BNP Paribas and Al-Qaeda. The complaint does not plead uh, that BNP was banking Al-Shamal. It doesn't plead that it was aware of any connection between Al-Shamal and Al-Qaeda. It doesn't even plead in a non-conclusory way that BNP was aware that Al-Qaeda was working with Sudan. Um, Just as in Rawstein, there's no pleading that BNP was a participant in any attack. There's no pleading that any money uh, sent by BMPP, uh, to Sudan, to the extent that happened, uh, had any connection to the attack, and there's no pleading uh, that any money uh, directly went BMP to Al-Qaeda. With no well-pleaded allegations, the court was correct to dismiss the ATA claim, just as an Owens, for failure of approximate causation. As to conspiracy, uh, there is no common goal. Uh, Judge you your questions were absolutely right. It's clear that MPP like the banks in Bernhardt uh, and in other cases, was acting to evade sanctions for a profit motive. They say, oh, we're all agreed on defeating sanctions, but defeating sanctions is just a characterization on their part for al-Qaeda committing murder to get the United States to back off of uh, sanctions. Uh, but that, of course, in complaint paragraph three, is explicitly said not to be the aim of BNPP. It says the NPP did not share the intent of al-Qaeda to commit any murder, to harm anyone. So the conspiracy claim fails for that simple reason, as well as, as in Bernhardt, uh, where the court said, where is the act in furtherance of the conspiracy?
0: So can I ask you about your um, characterization of the Jesner case, the Supreme Court's case in Jesner? You suggest that that is um, a bar to jurisdiction here. Um, but as I read that case, it's really about a cause of action. And so I'm wondering why you read it as a jurisdictional bar.
3: Is this, is this the ATS claim? Mm-hmm. Yes. Whether uh, the Supreme Court has often said Jesner is uh, jurisdictional, uh, but also you're correct, Judge Rao, it's, it's bringing in this cause of action for an international law tour. Uh, and so in that way, I mean, it's it is like
0: a It's a threshold issue, but is it a jurisdictional one? I think it is a
3: jurisdictional issue, but either way, uh, it's, it's an issue that came up after the decision by the district court judge, which is why we raised it on appeal mm-hmm. as a complete bar to this claim. Because Jessner says you don't have a cause of action. There is no jurisdiction in US courts for a claim like these claims against a foreign bank, foreign corporation. That case was decided in the context of a foreign bank that, like the NPP, uh, violated U.S. sanctions but because it was not a U.S. citizen
2: uh, the case was dismissed. Not a U.S. person. I'm sorry? You said U.S. citizens because it was not a U.S. person. U.S. person. Thank you, Your Honor. Right. So the ATS claim uh,
3: falls as well and then as to the aiding and abetting, you don't have any of the elements that would bring about a claim under the standard of Halberstam and we did raise that as a threshold issue whether there's a preemption issue here given the language in Jesner, uh, that it would be odd to create a common law cause of action in that context. Uh, and here we've got Congress all over the field of terrorist leasing, the criminal law, the attendant civil law violations. And here JOSTA, which is aiding and abetting, is very clearly limited to attacks 2001 and later, and also where the FTO uh, was the actor.
0: So let's unpack that argument a little bit. Are you arguing that the state common law claims are preempted I under think, the reasoning of Jesner? Yes, yes,
3: Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor.
0: That's not so clear in your briefing that the state, com- you, you, suggest, you talk about common law generally, and, and Jesner is about creating federal common law. Um, but how does that relate to existing state common law? And whether that reasoning preempts the state common, existing state common law.
3: I, I think about it action. because of the role of Halberstam. The federal the justice statute says you look to Halberstam as a form of federal common law that will be applicable under the statutory re- regime. Mm-hmm. It then says that if the attack occurred before 2001, it's not cognizable under Jesner. It also says you need the FTO involved, and al-Qaeda was not an FTO until after this attack uh, several years later. And so if you look at that, then does seem odd to say we're going to go to federal common law uh, through a Halberstam claim well, and have federal, this claim proceed. It's not
0: federal common law, right? The plaintiffs are bringing a state common law claim. I mean, is there a distinction there? I don't think there's a
3: distinction because you're still in the realm of common law where Congress has uh, really occupied the field, though I'm not arguing field preemption, preemption we're discussing obstacle preemption. Mm-hmm. And so we think that's an important consideration given that language in Jesner. Uh, and the way Congress has, has really very carefully calibrated these different causes of action and the concerns about international comedy and the fact that uh, the, the policing of terrorism is a uniquely federal interest. And so that, that is why we think there is that threshold issue. Of course, this court doesn't need to reach it uh, because the claims here fail applying the Halberstam framework. There is no, first of all, general awareness, as with Linda Hamilton in the Halberstam case, There, she knew uh, that her husband was engaged in property crimes. And so knowing that and being tied together with those property crimes, she was charged with the reasonably foreseeable effect of the felony murder uh, that occurred against Mr. Halberstam. Here, of course, there was no general awareness on the part of BNPP because there's no allegation that we were uh, banking any terrorists. And then otherwise, we're just back to this indirect connection through Al-Shamal or through Sudan where there's no allegation we knew uh, that any any of those entities were dealing with, with Al-Qaeda. And there's a further layer here on the point that they haven't adequately pled uh, that we were banking al-Shamal. They say we admitted that, and they say that in paragraph uh, 90 of the complaint, but we didn't admit that. Uh, if you look at the statement of claims or statement of facts, there's no admission uh, that the bank was banking Al Shamal, and even if we relied on what they say, the admission concerns the period 2002 to 2009, so four years and later after the 1998 attacks at issue in this case. So you don't satisfy the general awareness prong of Halberstam. and then go into the six factors. Um, I think uh, this court's uh, decision in Bernhardt and the decision of the Second Circuit in Siegel are off our Shira here. Uh, there's no allegation that we had any encouragement of these attacks. Uh, in terms of whether our, anything we do is a significant factor, uh, Bernhardt and Siegel are for sure. There, the allegations concern billions of dollars of being transferred uh, by HSBC, and the Siegel case, hundreds of millions of dollars. And the court said, but there's no link to that money to those entities and to the terrorist actors. Here, we don't even have amounts specified. We just have an allegation that there are accounts open. And it also says the allegation references accounts being opened in BNPP Geneva, which is a separate sub, and there's not even the defendant here. So you have a further layer of lack of any connection between anything BNPP did and anything that's alleged to have happened uh, in these attacks. There's no presence of BNP, the third factor, whether you think of that as transactional or, of course, no physical presence. There's no relationship with Al Qaeda. There's no, as we discussed, there's no knowledge of Al Qaeda's involvement, and we're also talking about in both Siegel and Bernhardt, we were talking about years of activity by the banks, and that was insufficient duration. Here, plaintiffs are talking about a window of, of a few months between November one thousand, nine hundred and ninety-seven, when they claim we started, or when we started evading sanctions, uh, and when the attack started in August one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-eight. There's no allegation that in that window, when accounts were alleged to just be, being opened. That there was any material, material transaction related in any way to Al Qaeda. So, just as in Owens, which, which is complaint by and large uh, copies, uh, other than just having this characterization of defeat sanctions and having general references to Al Shamal, this case should be dismissed or the, the dismissal should be affirmed just as the dismissal in the Owens case was affirmed. Unless your honors have questions, I would
0: say. Judge Rogers? Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Dickens will give you two minutes. My friend stated that
1: one of the reasons you can find there's no conspiracy here is because there was no intent. But intent is not required under a conspiracy. Nor is the fact that act giving rise or the unlawful act that's agreed upon uh, is an unlawful act that gives rise to a private cause of action. It just says it's uh, an unlawful act in which being agreed upon. Here, that unlawful act is by the defeat of dissensions that was set forth in November 1997. Now, this case is even even worse than some of those cases. My friend cites Bernhardt and Siegel because here... BMP rushed to the aid of Sudan, which was an impoverished country relying on funds and U.S. dollars for financial stability. Here, BMP came in for the sole reason to defeat the sanctions to make that problem. So when we're talking of, of questions about...
2: Aren't you, the sole the I'm sorry, Aren't you in a little trouble if that's the sole reason? Defeating the sanctions? I'm sorry. Aren't you in a little trouble if that's the sole reason to defeat sanctions? I'm still not sure how you get that to be a private cause of action. And contrary to what you seem to be saying, you have to have a private cause of action to be here. And, and what our argument here is, Your Honor, is that the, the unlawful
1: act that gives rise to, to the conspiracy, you know, we have to look at it in two parts. What's the unlawful act? The unlawful act here is the fedex sanctions, but that's not what gives rise to the private cause of action. It's what is done in furtherance of that conspiracy. So in Bernadette,
2: Okay, and you're insisting that the embassy bombing was something that could, within the contemplation of a conspiracy to defeat the thing.
1: And, and the reason, and I'll I'll cite the court to uh, paragraph 8 of our complaint, this is a direct quote from al-Qaeda. One of the stated reasons was to cease the campaign for the annihilation humiliation that's being waged by the United States based on the blockades or economic sanctions. That was a stated reason, and and it's not our role here to say that doesn't make sense. We must accept that as true and take those inferences in favor of plaintiff. And when we do so, and had those allegations, and it been shown in Bernhardt that indeed that act was in furtherance of the conspiracy, it would have met those elements. That is what was missing in, in Bernhardt and the other cases in which found there is no conspiracy. Here, this is a unique case. We admit to that. It's a unique case by which... We had a terrorist organization telling us we
2: bought this. Do you, in, in fact, have an effectual allegation of the meeting of the minds involving both the bank and Al Qaeda? Well, what,
1: what, what, what uh, the case law tells us is we don't need a meeting of the minds between all of the different conspirators. All we need is a, a shared goal that was agreed upon generally. Al Qaeda didn't need to know about BNP, and BNP didn't need to know. With respect to, and the court asked some questions about, about Jesner and, and, and the uh, ATS claims, uh, our position is it's not as simple as saying, okay, BMP is a foreign corporation. There must be some analysis, and there must be uh, some way to figure that out, that the Supreme Court didn't give any guidance. It didn't define what a foreign corporation is. And so we must look at uh, how to analyze that, and, and diversity jurisdiction is not the way. here. The sanctions specifically define who a US person is. That's what gives
2: rise to our complaint. US person uh, underneath the sanctions, which the the complaint US person, the closest you come in the statutory language is in a person in the United States. Is a corporation which is a corporate citizen and creation of a foreign country a person in the United States? Doesn't the Supreme Court say they're not? Well, the, the, under, under the, the, the sanction remedy, and then the question once
1: again is we must look at the, the actual allegations of the complaint because you know what, what the court didn't say is, well if there's a bank over there in, in, in you know headquarters somewhere else, they can never be a foreign corporation. First subject matter jurisdiction under the ATS.
2: The, the, those are words that have common meaning. A foreign corporation is a foreign corporation. It's, it's a corporation that's a, a foreign business. And it doesn't, you don't need a statutory definition of that. Those words are commonly used just as a United States person is commonly used and has never been applied to a foreign corporation. Well, it, it depends in the question of what we're looking at. For personal
1: jurisdiction, we agree, but that's laid out in,
2: in you know, state. Yeah, but in international law, the term a United States person or a or France person or whatever is a common usage and it is used to refer to citizens and nationals uh, of permanent residents, persons who who owe an allegiance to that nation. And I don't see how you get this foreign bank to be the United States person. Well, in
1: Jesner, obviously they were concerned with foreign policy issues, and what is that- In this case,
2: I'm concerned with how you get this to be a foreign bank, get this to be a U.S. What
1: Jesner said is the political branch is not the judiciary need to weigh in. Here, the political branch did weigh in. We have the executive branch stating, for purposes of violating these Sudanese sanctions, a U.S. person is defined as someone in the United States as well as
2: foreign branches operating in the United States. So Now, what would you get the as well as foreign branches operating in the United States? That's not in the statute, is it?
1: Uh, it's within the the uh, executive order that gives rise to the Sudanese sanctions in November of 1990.
0: And, so. and wasn't BNP Paribas held liable for the evasion of sanctions?
1: They were. Yes, you So
0: there was, you know, there was some governmental remedy against them.
1: There was, but but the, that fact as well gives uh, you know further support of of there is not as as large of a concern here for foreign policy issues. When the government stepped in, held them accountable criminally and fine them eight billion dollars because of
0: and haven't the plaintiffs here also benefited from the settlement between the US government and Sudan for these claims as well?
1: well from from a separate settlement. So that uh, was
0: another public policy that addressed this underlying issue.
1: That's correct. Yes. Unless the court has any further questions. Thank you. Thank you.